Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. This is our mini reset on women's health. This is an Emma-centric episode, and I am super excited, actually, and I did a ton of research, and I cannot wait to share it with you. So I'm doing women's health, um, specifically focusing on why we are underrepresented, misdiagnosed, and left undiagnosed way longer than our male counterparts and what the hell that is about. So why this is important to me, a little personal story time, not that you care that much, but you know, just so you know, um, I want to talk about women's health because I have been left undiagnosed with a reproductive disorder called endometriosis for over three years now. So ever since I first got my period at 13, I have suffered heavy bleeding, heavy cramping, and all of the symptoms for endometriosis. I also have a family history of endometriosis, so I kind of figured I had it. When I first went to my gynecologist, when the pain became debilitating, um, it was a male physician, and he said that I was too young to know my body and that I was too young to know that I had anything, which was offensive at the very minimum. So I was really upset about that, about not being taken seriously, but as a young woman at 16, you know, I didn't think much of it. I did consider my doctor the expert on the subject, so I just kind of took it. And then um, about two years later, the pain was so debilitating that he put me on a birth control pill. Um, And then I stopped seeing him because he was the worst doctor. So instead, I went to a female gynecologist just um, this past year and spoke with her and she was so receptive and so understanding and so justified my needs to a point that I didn't know that they weren't being met. I She understood my pain, my self-reports of my signs and symptoms of endometriosis and she took it very seriously. Um, she ended up telling me that the birth control he put me on was actually the worst for my potential condition. Um, and she put me on the thing that actually was going to work for me. So I appreciate her and respect her, but this is why I first wanted to start talking about women's health and our issues with not being diagnosed. Endometriosis, the disorder I have, is typically goes undiagnosed since the onset of symptoms for seven years. So for seven years women do not get a diagnosis and treatment of endometriosis so i'm still not officially diagnosed but we're all working on a plan of treatment and i really respect my physician for that but that led me to the question why are women misdiagnosed so often it's actually because that there's a general lack of knowledge um, about the history of the female body that's because we've been underrepresented and excluded from research clinical trials and such since basically the beginning of time So in medicine, there lies this implicit bias towards women, right? Because modern medicine has been a white male dominated field since its inception, women have been um, left out of it for forever. But this has created this implicit bias, a lack of trust in the medical community because women self-report and doctors don't believe them. So 64% of women believe that their pain when they discuss it with their doctor um, goes dismissed 
Um, so that's more than half of women go to the doctor with complaints of pain and symptoms, and they are often called hysterical. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you. So the term hysteria is from centuries back and basically is rooted in the fact that a woman's uterus rules her body. There was even a point where people thought when a woman was going mad, quote unquote, that her uterus had moved to her brain. Obviously, we know none of that is true. Hormones do affect women differently than they affect men, but we are still completely capable of advocating for our own pain, and often women actually are more prone to psychogenic factors when they're in pain. So if a woman has experienced pain, she's more likely to have quote-unquote hysterical signs and symptoms. Okay, so... If anything, doctors should believe us more if we're having an emotional reaction to the pain that we're experiencing. Now, because of this implicit bias, women have been left out of clinical research. I'm going to give you two examples of this. So in the 1950s, a drug called thalidomide, which you may have heard of, was released as an anti-nausea for pregnant women. Ended up causing 8,000 deformities in the children those women birthed. So... This drug was called the thalidomide disaster and pulled off the market immediately. Then in the 1950s, another drug called DES, which was used for the prevention of miscarriage, ended up causing adenocarcinoma in the vagina of the children, the women who took it, their children, so two generation, a generation later, um, suffered the effects of that drug with this rare cancer in the vaginal canal. So both DES and thalidomide were both huge medical disasters for the community. This caused a complete and total aversion to allowing women of childbearing years to be included in research. This means anywhere from when a woman first gets her period, let's say 13, to when she hits menopause, I don't know, 50, none of those women in that age group can be put in clinical trials. So the issue with that is that as long as there's informed consent, a woman of childbearing age should be able to participate in a clinical trial because we have now decades and decades of women who of these clinical trials where women were not involved at all. So typically you don't do clinical trials on children. So that means anywhere from 16 and under, 13 and under, you can't do that on female children and then you typically don't perform clinical trials on the elderly so now women are completely excluded from the uh, from the clinical trial group um, and that's that's just really disturbing so in the 1980s uh, kind of when the AIDS epidemic was coming around women began to notice this problem why are we being treated differently why don't we have the resources where is this there's just general lack of knowledge of women's bodies and why is that happening so a committee task force was put together and then in the late 90s they determined that in the fields of specifically AIDS and heart disease women have either been completely excluded altogether or the number of women tested in these clinical trials have been completely insignificant so just to put that in perspective, congestive heart disease is the lead cause of death in women, yet public perception is that men are more at risk than women are. They also did not include women at all 
in the heart disease trials up until the early 2000s, even though that's the leading cause of death for women in the United States. So that was pretty disturbing information that I came upon. So there's this growing body of knowledge that indicates differences in treatments, effectiveness of those treatments, drugs, risk factors for diseases between men and women. There's varying risk factors for the same disease. So, for example, a heart attack will present differently in a woman than a man. But in medical textbooks, for as long as we can remember, we are only seeing what the white male body will react to. So that excludes not only women, but of course minorities too. So what can we do to fix this issue? Well, for example, I'm going to tell you a little story, two stories actually, where women are only taken seriously when the external factors of their disease or illness presents itself. So for example, a black woman with lupus had excruciating kidney pain and excruciating joint pain, but wasn't diagnosed until 10 years after the onset of these severe symptoms. Now, why was it 10 years? Because physicians in ERs continue to dismiss her as a drug-seeking behavior, which that's racially based. As a black woman, she was entering into medical facilities and there's a bias already, implicit bias in the medical community that black people are more likely to exhibit drug-seeking behaviors and to exacerbate their pain, which we know is not true. Our second story is a 21-year-old college student who was accused of being overdramatic and having a panic attack when arriving in the ER with a painful abdomen. She then left the ER because her claims were dismissed, returned 14 hours later with extreme pain, then being told that she was um, being hysterical, perhaps she was going to start her menstruation cycle. Turns out, she they finally figured out what was wrong with her, and she had an ulcer eating away at her stomach wall. Now, the, she noticed a complete difference in her physician's attitudes after that external evidence was produced. So before that, she wasn't being taken seriously. They were telling her she was being overdramatic and emotional. And then after the results, finding out that she had an ulcer in her stomach, the physicians were much more compassionate and understanding to her cause. The same thing happened with the patient with lupus after finding her diagnosis. So those are just two examples, but I know plenty of women who reached out to me when I asked on the Instagram if anyone had experienced a dismissal of their medical conditions and pains as a woman. And um, a very close friend of mine had a ovarian cyst, she went to the doctor, and she almost died because they didn't take her seriously. So, it happens a lot. Women aren't taken seriously into this until external evidence is provided that proves them otherwise. I'm going to talk a little bit, segue into black women and childbirth and maternal mortality because this is a good indicator of how we treat women in the United States. So, Maternal mortality rate is a very important statistic for most nations because it is much maternal mortality is almost entirely preventable most of the time. And it kind of shows it as an indicator of health in that nation. Now, the CDC, this is a current statistic from this year, determined that about 700 women die from birth complications every year, which means the U.S. has the most 
um, has the worst maternal mortality rate than any other developed nation in the in the world. So of all developed nations, the United States is at the bottom of the list for maternal mortality rate. So we are the worst. Black women are 2.5 times more likely to die during childbirth. So let me just give you a couple numbers really quick. So this is per 100,000 births. Black women die 37.1 deaths per 100,000 births. White women die 14.17 deaths per 100,000 births, and Hispanic women die 11.8 deaths per 100 births. So black women have the absolute worst um, maternal mortality in all of the developed nations in the United States. So why? Well, that's because um, one, women are, women's claims of pain are taken less seriously than a male's claim of pain. So during childbirth, because it's supposed to be a quote-unquote feminine and natural experience, um, many doctors don't take women's complaints of pain or something they may feel wrong during the birth seriously. They just say, oh, you're fine. Like, you're just having, this is just what birth is. Um, and that seems to be common when I was reading women's birth stories and their own, um, you know, stories about what happened to them and when their pain was dismissed. So black women specifically, because of systemic racism in this country, are susceptible to obesity and hypertension um, before any other group. This is because of a plethora of reasons, uh, access to healthy foods, access to uh, community-based health, and access to care. So black women don't have as much access to care as white women, for example. So um, they don't have access to prenatal care nearly as much as white women do. And when they are in the hospital and they are giving birth, black people in general are often told that their pain tolerance is higher than white people's, which has been biologically proven wrong. Time to time again, I, I you know, encourage you to do your own research on it, but um, that's not true. So childbirth is a great indicator of why this country is super fucked up in our healthcare system and the systemic biases and implicit racism that is all over it. So now I'm going to leave you on a positive note because it was super depressing what I just talked about, but how can we fix it? So actually the most important thing we can do is develop feedback systems. So when we have, let's say, a woman who goes to four doctors, and the first three doctors tell her that her claims of pain are um, dismissed and that they aren't important and they aren't real and she's being hysterical. And the fourth doctor finally figures out what's wrong with her. There's no way for those first three doctors to know that they were wrong. So this perpetuates this idea of um this implicit bias for women in healthcare. So when those first three physicians still believe they were right when they dismiss her claims of pain, that they're going to do it to the next person, the next person, the next person. So I was reading in a journal of health how feedback systems that need to be developed in um, medicine. So we need ways for doctors to know that the patient they saw, even if that patient is no longer their patient, they were wrong about their diagnosis. This will also help prove you know, the accuracy of that doctor's care. Um, maybe they're not always the best doctor. Maybe they are. You know, maybe they made a mistake, but it will help show 
these lapses in judgment from our physicians. And then, of course, getting women into more clinical research trials would be ideal because we have missed generations of trials. And now we need a lot of catching up to do because we still have this body of knowledge about women's health that is absolutely dissipated and gone. Did you know that women account for 75% of autoimmune diseases, but it's not considered something that's more prone in women than in men? Fun fact for you. But that's all I pretty much had to say. Um, But I'm glad you listened. I hope you liked it. That was really great information. We're like coming up on time. There's one thing I wanted to say um, was that, you know, America is at the bottom of the list out of the Mm -hmm. developed countries. Okay, so I know maybe you think America is great, but I strongly encourage you to start questioning your beliefs. Yes, question what you know. Question what you know. Do research. Yes, you'll be surprised. Well, thank you. Thanks, guys. for researching. I hope you guys enjoy and follow us on Instagram at The Cultural Reset with two L's and follow us on Spotify and listen to all of our podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.